Hello, cannabis business minds. My name is Simone, and on today's episode, we talk about what makes an infused product brand successful. Beyond just a tasty treat, cannabis-infused products need to follow strict health, packaging, and labeling requirements. In California, there's not a lot of guidance on labeling requirements, and our guest has taken self-regulation to a whole new level. Our expert brings 20-plus years of culinary work with cannabis and entrepreneurship in the health space, and she sheds some light on how she built a brand that has been on the high times list of best edibles not just once, but many times. Hope you guys are excited for the show. Cannabis sales were $5.7 billion in 2015. Cannabis industry is valued at $22.8 billion by 2020. In 1996, there wasn't a single dispensary in the U.S. In 2016, there are 25 states that have legalized medical marijuana. Welcome to the Cannabis Business Minds podcast, where you gain insight from business leaders in the cannabis industry to help take your business to the next level. Juliana is an avid proponent of health freedom, a visionary, and an activist in the medical cannabis community. Juliana founded Auntie Dolores in 2008, bringing 20-plus years of culinary work with cannabis and entrepreneurship in the health space. And in 2013, Juliana developed treatable CBD-infused pet products. The Auntie Dolores mission is to provide safe access to cannabinoids for all sectors of society, including animals. So without any further ado, I'd love to welcome Juliana to our show. Hi, Juliana. Thank how are you? you? So much. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so I'm so excited to pick your brain. That was such a brief intro on all the things that you've done. Do you mind just filling in a little bit uh, of the gaps? What were you doing before 2008, and what got you involved into the cannabis industry? So uh, before 2008, I was um, I was teaching fitness and yoga, and also doing business bookkeeping. So I had uh, both of those businesses and did did them for a long time before that. Um, and it was you know it was right around the economic downturn. I was looking for other career paths. Um, my daughter was approaching college age, and I was just thinking I really need to figure something else out. And my next career change is going to be to something that's you know, satisfying creatively and uh, something that would just be a little bit more meaningful than, than the bookkeeping <laughs> that, that got a little bit, a uh, little bit dry for me. Um, and uh, 2008, there was only, I think, less than 10 edibles companies in California at the time. So um, I just started to bring products that I'd been making for many years because uh, I'd been experimenting with uh, cannabis and baking and cooking and trying to come up with interesting new flavors and recipes. Uh, so I just took some of those products that I was already making to dispensaries and that's how it all pretty much started. Wow. No, and, and now, I mean, you're one of the top brands. Uh, I would say I know that you're mostly in California and we'll talk about a little bit where you are. But I mean, you have such good brand recognition. So from 2008 to 2016, I mean, the journey must have been it, almost like an evolution. How did it, how has it evolved really for you? Yeah, I mean, it is definitely looks a lot more like an evolution than, than anything else, especially because there's been so many unexpected twists and turns along the way. And, um, you know, in this industry, we, we can hardly predict anything that's going to happen. And it was even more that way, you know, eight years ago. So, 
um, you know, some people ask me, like, what, what was your business plan like? I mean, in 2008, I didn't even have a business plan because I was just waiting to see what could happen with the brand and with the industry and with the regulations. There was still so many unknowns. Um, but, yeah, it has been it has been a real journey and, and continues to be yeah. <laughs> a real journey. <laughs> totally, totally. And then, I mean, so when you started in 2008, did you have... I mean, when we talk about your product lines, I think it's so cool that you implemented the treatables in 2013. Has the evolution of just what you're carrying and what you're offering to patients also increased as you've just gained more market? And how, how can you explain yeah. a little bit more on that? Well, and then the treatables development was, you know, that was definitely because we wanted to address uh, treating animals and helping them with, with cannabinoids. But it was also just our um, new introduction to CBD because, you know, in 2008 when we started, nobody even really knew about CBD. It wasn't until a few years later and, you know, we began to get some of our cultivators to grow the strains that were rich in CBD. So, um, you know, that was really the inspiration, especially because, you know, it's non-psychoactive. It's got a long list of um, medicinal qualities. So it just, seemed like a great thing to start working with. Uh, we started to begin making uh, human products, and then the animal products just came pretty quickly after that because, I mean, animals respond so well uh, to to all of this. So it was just exciting to dive right in. Oh, absolutely. And then for, I mean, for, you know, humans and medical patients, we have to get everything in a dispensary. How can, you know, dog owners or, you know, pet owners get some of the treatables, would it be through a dispensary because it's CBD? Uh, yeah, you can get it at a lot of dispensaries in California. There's probably over 200 dispensaries that carry it, but um, because it's derived from hemp, it's completely non-psychoactive. It has, you know, less than the legal threshold of uh, THC. We are able to uh, ship it all over the country. So we are actually um, working with dogs and animals all over the country and, and parts of, uh, you know, other countries outside of the U.S. So that's been really exciting, uh, being able to provide that access to the product to so many animals. Oh, my gosh, totally. And just like, I mean, the stories that you must hear from like pet owners as well as just patients. I mean, it's got to be very, very, it makes must make you very happy. How, how do you, besides the pets and the pet owners, how do you define your target market when we, when we talk about humans? I think our target market on the uh, human edible side for the Auntie Dolores products would be, uh, you know, people that are interested in gourmet flavors. Um, they're probably not interested in um, the flavor of cannabis because it's, you know, that very bitter. Um, the, the type of patients that love our products are, you know, generally health conscious. You know, they're willing to spend a little bit more for quality. Uh, they want to know where the medicine that's in the product is coming from uh, and how it's infused and how it's extracted. Uh, we use, you know, CO2, uh, supercritical CO2 oil for our products. So everything about the product is premier. Um, and, uh, you know, people that, that want that are um, our, our biggest supporters. Yeah, no, I love I love that it's gluten free. I'm a gluten free person, so I, I remember I tried your glazed pecans a few years ago, and I was like, oh, these are just the best ever. So, yeah, I, I love all your products. What's your? Do you have a, the most popular product? Do you know what that is? Yeah, we sure do. It's the savory pretzels, actually. 
and it's been our top seller for probably the last six years. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite product? Oh wow! Gosh, <laughs> we just came out. <laughs> we just came out with these uh, CBD superfood truffles that are amazing. Uh, they're ten milligrams each, and they're just they're like little truffles that are coated in uh, fruits, and they're just really awesome. Um, we got a little bit of coffee in them, and some chocolate and cacao and coconut oil. So it's it's a really complex flavor, and it's a really complex experience. <laughs> oh wow! And they're CBD. They're CBD and they're non-psychoactive, but, um, you know, we're starting to experiment a little bit with adding terpenes to our products as well. And so we're really looking at the different qualities that different terpenes have and infusing them in the edibles as well. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, I, that's when I was up at... Um an event in Oregon and there was like a terpene bar to explain, you know, really that this is, it's this whole industry is shifting so much into kind of this consumer preferences tasting or like organic gourmet. Oh, I'm, I can't wait to try your, your truffles. So are they in, are they in California dispensaries right now? They are. And because of the, the active ingredient being derived from medicinal hemp, they're actually legal in all 50 states. So it is another product that's like our other CBD products that we ship all over the country. Super cool. Super cool. Um, so then can you talk a little bit about your operations? And, you know, you've definitely, since 2008, grown a ton. You're international. You're all over California. You've got this huge brand. And I'd love to know a little bit more just about your operations and your company. How, how big is your team? And, and also, you know, the CBD Treatables is a separate product line, but do you almost envision, is that almost like a separate company in terms of operations or do those all kind of correspond together? Well, they started off together, certainly. Um, you know, Treatables was definitely born from Auntie Dolores, but they've become really different brands in a way just because of the markets being so different. Um, and then, of course, there's a lot of crossover, but We've really um, tried to figure out how we can um, make both of these brands as strong as possible. And in, in some cases, that's meant um, separating out our operations to a certain extent. Um, so some of our production is done in one kitchen, for instance, and then some of our production might be done in another kitchen. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> some some products are um, actually made in other parts of the country as well. The extract from CBD is, comes from Colorado, um, and so, and then we've got, you know, distributors and um, co-packers involved that are in, in separate uh, locations as well. So there's, it's kind of um, branching out into different uh, sections just to accommodate, um, you know, scaling up really. No, absolutely. Especially, yeah. And like, especially with the CBD, it seems like because there is no, there's not as many boundaries for, you know, state to state. Gosh, that's awesome that you can really pierce and penetrate some markets where you'd be able to offer CBD medicine to uh, a lot of people. So that's great. What about, but where are you? Are you based in Northern California yourself? Yeah, I sure am. We, uh, we got our start in San Francisco, but we moved out to Oakland uh, probably about five years ago. Cool. And is your team with you in, in Oakland, how big is your team? Do you have a lot of people? Uh, I mean, you're brilliant. You're, you've led this, but who are your, your main, your main people that are helping you? Yeah. 
have an amazing team. Uh, just some fantastic people with some really, really great um, personalities and just values. You know, it's very important to me to bring on people that share my philosophy and, you know, really um, bond in a synergistic way. So, and our team is pretty small, actually. There's just about nine of us now. Um, and that just includes like our real core group. As I said, there's other people involved in the business that are actually making the product, but just as far as our open team, we've got about nine people there. Cool. And how do you define your company culture? Well, we're very passionate about cannabis and hemp, obviously. So that's a big part of the culture, but it's a little bit more than that. We're really focused on, you know, gourmet, um, gourmet flavors and a lot of education about the science behind um, cannabis and hemp and cannabinoids in general. So everybody on our staff is very passionate about all of these things. And I think that's a big part of the company culture. It's just the, the synergy um, amongst us and, and how much uh, we're all passionate about the same thing. Yeah, no, I mean, when you when you go to your website and you look at the values of your company and the mission and the vision, and I forget, it looked like there was nine different values. It's very, very important and significant. And one of the things that I was really actually keen to talk to you about was just how I think you've really pioneered this, this compliance and self-regulation and some of those core values that are on your website. You mentioned accurate labeling, you mentioned packaging, and ultimately, it's just like the self-regulation. How did you, when did you begin this journey for your, your company to really dive into the self-regulation? Was it in 2008? Yeah, it, it definitely started right at the beginning because right away I recognized that there were no regulations in California. And I, I was surprised that um, there was such a lack of structure and a, a lack of um, accountability. Um, you know, people that have been producing products as long as we, we have, we all have the same kind of um, thoughts about this, which is if we don't regulate ourselves, um, who's going to regulate us? And here we are, 2016, eight years later, and, you know, we just passed yeah. <laughs> regulations very recently. So, We've all been self-regulated for a long, long time now. And um, for us specifically, what really inspired that, I think, is just recognizing how important brand trust is. And the people that are purchasing our products are often um, people that are in, you know, vulnerable situations uh, with their health and uh, maybe with their lives in general. And often they're turning to cannabis and edibles for a myriad of reasons that if they can't trust the brands that they're uh, purchasing from, that could be not only detrimental to the brand and the patient, but also to the industry. So all of those things are super important to us. Um, brand trust is like a big, big thing. I probably should have mentioned that in the company culture uh, part because that's that's a big part of our company culture in general is, is the, the need for brand trust and really instilling that trust in the people that buy our products. No, absolutely. I mean, well, on your website, you, you post about the, you know, FDA labeling and you actually, I, I wanted to ask you, you put a link to the patent for cannabinoids. What was the motivation behind that, putting that on your website? Uh, we put that on there because we want people to understand that, um, you know, there is this dichotomy, which is uh, this is 
federally illegal, yet at the same time, our our federal government actually holds patents on um, a few different cannabinoids, actually, and a few different applications for them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's ironic, and mm-hmm. it's also, I think, pretty telling that, um, you know, that, that this is still federally illegal, yet our government knows exactly uh, just how good it is. Otherwise, they wouldn't have patents on it and uh, you know the DEA just released a statement in the last couple of days saying that they still refuse to recognize the medical value of cannabis so I mean we're just we're in this uh, confused state and that's why we put that on there just so we can show people when they visit the site that this is what's going on mm-hmm. no absolutely I was so I, I'm glad that they finally you know told us something but uh, I wasn't happy about about that. I would have just preferred it to be descheduled. Uh, but yeah, that's like a whole nother story. No, I, I really appreciate yeah. that. And also it's like, you know, it's, it's the education factor. Oh, okay. Edibles. I don't know about this. Okay. But here are, you know, some of the reasons why, and Hey, the government also is recognizing the medical benefits through patents, although not through the law. So I know I really, mm-hmm. I really liked that, um, about that. One thing that I've noticed. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I mean, your website's beautiful as well. And it, especially Especially with the CBD stuff, able to buy it online. So I think that's cool. Um, Thanks. Yeah. One thing, as more and more companies are entering the market um, through regulation, and maybe right now a little bit still because it's gray in California, unregulated, um, a lot of them don't have education on packaging and labeling. What do you think some of just the misconceptions are regarding labeling and packaging for infused products? Misconceptions um, from the producers, yeah, like misconceptions. Um, I guess both, because I think there's probably <laughs> two different answers on that. Yeah, definitely. Well, misconceptions with the producers. I mean, there's so much confusion for all of us because uh, in California, like I said, there's no regulations. So we've and we've also had different counties and cities within California adopt certain ordinances. Um, and while others weren't adopting any. So trying to um, have packaging that was going to be compliant in every city in California was and continues to be, you know, a real effort. Um, On the side of regulators, you know, many regulators don't understand how to best regulate um, edible products. And, of course, that leads into how to regulate the packaging. And there's a lot of misunderstandings there. I think in some cases uh, the packaging is, is really overregulated. We've seen that in some other states where it's just it's not workable. Um, you know, I hope I hope that uh, California adopts you know packaging requirements that are reasonable, that are going to address all the concerns that regulators have and that the public has, uh, rightfully so, but also not cripple these companies and make it impossible for them to comply. Um, and it's, you know, the biggest um, problem with packaging is we have so much uh, waste, you know, when, when they make changes to the regulations, that means there's a whole lot of plastic being dumped um, because all these companies have to throw away their packaging because there might be three words that are off on the package. I mean, that's a shame. And I, I, I can't support um, any regulations that are, putting uh, just a horrible uh, carbon footprint on on the environment 
No, absolutely. I mean, that's even a, a thing I was even considering. And then also just the changing. I can't even imagine. Like you, you think something's good. You've developed this gold standard because it hasn't been regulated, right? And you've done a new product line and you've invested X amount of dollars into packaging for that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're operating in the county that all of a sudden has now given you regulation and you're not compliant anymore. I mean, that's definitely... <laughs> Definitely not something good. And then also when you add in that environmental footprint as well. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a, that's, I, di- I didn't think about, honestly, the environmental footprint at all. And, and you're right, because a lot of it is, you know, well, childproof tampering, et cetera. But when you go into, for example, a regulated with adult use market and you're purchasing something even at a dispensary, they have to close it up in, you know, a non-visible bag and that's plastic. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And most people take that bag out of the shop. They take the product out of the bag and they throw the big plastic bag into a garbage can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Without even using it the way they're supposed to at home and keeping it, you know, locked up. Um, yeah, there's. We could we could have a whole conversation yeah. <laughs> about this subject alone. Actually, I know maybe in the next time for sure. But um, no, that's that's really insightful. Um, so I guess for you guys, you've you've definitely implemented some it seems like great internal uh, standards. Do you mind sharing just a little bit about some of the internal standards that you've implemented or that you that you followed for your company? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I'd probably mention um, to answer that question is just, you know, we, we are big on nutrition facts and all of the dietary information being included on there. And that hasn't been required of us. In fact, some, some cities even made us take the nutrition facts off of our products. Um, so, but we're really, we're really interested in informing the patient. We're all big on um, education and we also know that many of the people that are purchasing our products have, you know, compromised immune systems. They've got dietary restrictions. If they don't know what's in the product uh, or if it's something they can even eat, then they're, they're not going to buy the product. So we're big on um, putting more information on there than than has ever been required. Um, we're also really big on um, the dosage of our products being easy to uh, titrate so that patients aren't, you know, obligated to eat a whole cookie to achieve 100 milligrams, but instead there's, you know, a canister with a bag inside that has, you know, multiple small cookies so that the patient can enjoy a 5 milligram cookie. And then if they want 15 milligrams, they can enjoy three cookies. So um, on, the, on the packaging, it'll say exactly what, you know, a 10, 10 milligram dose is. Um, so, that's information that's not required, but it is information that, that we've been um, putting on our packaging for the last two years now. <clears throat> Before that, our packaging was really, I mean, we, we've been through so many changes with our packaging as well, um, just trying to keep it, make it better um, with each rendition, um, but also trying to keep up with, you know, the demand of satisfying, um, you know, all these different counties and their particular requirements. No, absolutely. It seems like a, a huge, huge thing for somebody who's working in your compliance area uh, for your company. But so far, yeah, so good. What about the what about the uh, treatables? Is for the packaging requirements for pets? How does that differ? Or do you follow the same requirements well, that you're doing for humans? It's a little bit different, and the pet space, you know, has their own uh, regulations and different things and 
you know, because um, hemp is uh, very much in the gray area um, and, you know, regulators don't really understand how to regulate these products. Um, and it, because this really is more of a supplement product than a food product, um, that's how, how we market treatables. Um, it's a functional chew. Um, and so it, it sort of goes under those set of guidelines for packaging. Um, but then there's some similarities and some crossover because, you know, we have the same philosophy with treatables where we want to provide a lot of information so that the um, customer understands how to dose their dog or their animal with the product. Um, you know, animals have a totally different uh, tolerance level to these cannabinoids and they're often more sensitive. So we have to provide the information so that they know, you know, what's a proper dose for their animal. No, absolutely. I mean, a lot of pet owners find, you know, it's like their their pet's their baby. And I think there's much more preoccupation on that than on themselves. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, just a few more questions. Uh, one about regulation in Northern California and Oakland. How is everything going? So we're, I'm based in Los Angeles and everything's a complete mess still here uh, for local regulation. How is everything going in Northern California and where you guys are based? With respect to uh, Mimursa? It's gone pretty well. I mean, it took a little while to establish, uh, you know, the green zone and some of the other things that we were waiting on to sort of move our businesses ahead. Um, and, and the whole process is overall pretty slow going, unfortunately. But, you know, Oakland has been very proactive and um, there's, you know, just from having so many colleagues uh, working in other parts of of the state, I have really come to appreciate, you know, San Francisco and Oakland and uh, Berkeley as real leaders on the mm-hmm. regulatory side of things. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy that we're based there. Uh, the challenges that go on uh, down south are unbelievable. Um, you know, I've got friends whose companies have been raided uh, by the LAPD. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there's been a lot of uh, really unsavory activity, activity down south um, that, uh, you know, it makes me very sad for, for my friends and colleagues down there. But overall, you know what, everything's moving in the right direction, and I think we're all trying to stay really positive about it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, okay, so this is just a little bit more about you and your business and how you've been so successful. Um, so why do you think... I said I would love three. You can just give me one um, reasons why you've been able to build such a strong brand and company. Gosh, excuse me. I'm 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 at a loss for for a moment here. I'm not really sure. I've been surprised. I've been pleasantly surprised by the success of the brand. Um, And I wish I could say there was some formula to this that you know anyone could duplicate, but. I think it's been a set of um, really uh, having really good people in my life, in the business, uh, people that work with me that are phenomenal, that brought a lot to the table, and also having, you know, awesome investors involved that also bring their expertise and uh, financial backing has certainly been phenomenal as well. So we've had a lot of support, Um, and I have to say, you know, in any industry and any business, you know, any entrepreneur is going to need a lot of support, but particularly so in the cannabis space because it's just an incredibly challenging um, industry to work in. In in, in any state, in any stage of development, it's just 
a difficult um, industry to be in. So you really have to you have to be able to stick it out and stick out the hard times, um, and also make sure you've got the support that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's your mission and your team. It just seems that way that in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's, it's very, very cool. Um, and what about for you as a leader, as you know, the CEO pioneering all this stuff with self-regulation, building that brand, having that team, what do you utilize to make your decisions besides, you know, those advisors, but personally, what, what do you think, uh, helps you make decisions? Well, I mean, there's so many decisions to be made throughout the day, um, you know, but in terms of like the direction that the brand is going, um, those decisions are often very much um, gut decisions, I guess you could say, where I might have an idea about something that I think is going to do really well. And I, you know, I bounce my ideas off a couple people <laughs> and some people usually think I'm crazy, but I, if I, if I really feel like it's going to be a go, I'll just, I will really put all my attention on that. And, um, once I have my mind made up about something that I want to see happen, it's like everybody better get out of my way <laughs> or get on board. And that's kind of how I've just operated. And I've, I've had to tell a lot of people to get out of the way, to be honest, um, but the ones that decided to hop on board are still with me and they're great and the brand has grown because of it. So, you awesome. know, there you go. Yeah. Okay. And then two last questions. Where do you see uh, your company being in a year from now? Auntie Dolores and then the Treatables brand. Like what's, what's your vision from one year from today? Okay. I'll try to keep it in very realistic terms because there are certainly limitations. Yeah. I mean, we want to have a, have Auntie Dolores be an international brand, of course, you know, the legalities of that probably won't happen next year. So the the more um, logical <clears throat> approach would be to try to um, get this product in as many states as we can. So that's what we're doing now. We're licensing it in other states and hope to be in at least, I don't know, maybe two or three more states by next year. Okay. With and treatables. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, what states are you in? I didn't ask you that question earlier. We just uh, started up in Arizona, so pretty soon you'll see our products in Arizona. Congrats. And Arizona is a great, great market. We're really keen on finding good markets where we know our products will sell well. Um, we've got, you know, it's a niche product, so we're, we're kind of particular about where we want to operate. Um, and then with regard to treatables, I mean, the sky's the limit because it's a, you know, national brand already. Um, I think in a year from now, you'll see us. You know, on Amazon, uh, you're going to see us, uh, you know, on Pitbulls and Parolees. Uh, we're working with them on a co-branded product. Um, you're going to see us uh, doing all kinds of fun stuff in, in about a year from now. Very cool. I'm excited for all of this. How can, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, but more, you know, find out more about your products, your brand, how would they do that? So they can visit either of our uh, websites. It's uh, auntiedolores.com and treatables.com. And I can spell it because both of those are often misspelled. Um, Auntie Dolores is A-U-N-T-I-E-D-O-L-O-R-E-S.com. And treatables is T-R-E-A-T-I-B-L-E-S. And uh, both brands are, you know, on all the social media um, channels that you could uh, visit. So yeah, come check us out. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so much for giving me 30 minutes of your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was fun. Thanks for uh, having me. All right. Thank you for joining me today. And I hope you liked today's episode. If you haven't already, go on over to Calagia.com to connect with me and the other business professionals in the cannabis community. Also, if you like this, please go into iTunes and add the Cannabis Business Mind podcast to your iTunes account and would love it if you could leave us a five-star review. Talk to you guys next week.